Thanks to Issue for sponsoring this episode. Issue is the all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital content from marketing materials and magazines to catalogs and portfolios and more. Get started with Issue today for free or sign up for an annual premium account and get 50% off when you go to issue.com slash podcast and use the promo code AppleBits. Also, this episode is also sponsored by SaneBox, an AI-driven email management tool that saves the average user 2.5 hours of time per week by seamlessly organizing and filtering emails. To start your free trial and get a $25 credit, visit SaneBox.com slash AppleBits today. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash AppleBits. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Welcome, everybody. It is episode 266. I've been traveling a little bit. I was just up in the Bay Area for Google I.O., and we're going to talk about that because they're doing a lot of interesting things in the tech space that, quite honestly, you'd be like, hey, Apple, why why aren't you doing this or why don't you just copy what they're doing literally they had some great stuff with their pixel fold the pixel tablet so we will talk a little bit about that and it's going to be fun but first hey let's get to some orders of business this show is all about you all and i love it because we have four voicemails this week y'all responded and i love hearing from you i just think it adds so much texture so how do you be a part of it well all you got to do is take some time record a voice memo on your phone on your tablet on your computer send it into apple bits show at gmail.com. That's Apple Bits Show with a Z. Your name, where you're from, what do you want to talk about? The topics, the questions, the contents, the criticisms, the dating advice, all the above. Apple Bits Show at gmail.com is how you can be part of the show, and I love it. Also, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support all my content. Also, with this podcast, you're supporting that. What do you get? Well, it starts at $2 per month. Goes up to $5, which is like a cup of coffee, if that's the value that I bring to you. $10, $25, and the $100 Platinum Apple level, you get early access to content, rewards at different levels, and a completely ad-free version of this podcast. Plus, we've got a Closure Rings contest going right now, where you could win an Amazon gift card. We've got my monthly Zoom live streams that we just do it in-house for Patreon supporters, and a lot more little giveaways here and there. Just fun stuff to be a part of a community and I'm so grateful for you all, so I really put attention to that to, to make it valuable for you all as well. All right, so let's get to the show. And like I said, I just came back from Mountain View. I've been traveling. If I sound like a little stuffy, just because guess what? I can get beat up when I travel. But Google I.O., I thought it was a major success for them. Google I.O. showed off their latest AI advancements. They have this cool email tool now called Help Me Write. And we've heard everything about ChatGPT, but... Google's Help Me Write feature, which we'll be rolling out eventually. You can basically compose an email, have them do it, and then they can even like change the tone, whether it sounds more elaborate or shorter or more friendly. Just crazy stuff of using Google's AI tools with our everyday work, you know, creating generative AI images. What does that mean, right? Say a unicorn eating pizza and it gives you some image options that it that it throws up at you some of the AI stuff that, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, when I was sitting there seeing all the things they're doing, it's allowing people who may not necessarily be creative 
or have the skills or the time to learn how to be creative to just talk into a computer prompt box or type in something and it generates something for them that looks better than they could ever do. So they did a lot of that. But let's talk about the hardware and the biggest thing that stuck out to me. I don't know if you saw the video on my channel, but the Pixel Fold. It's the slimmest foldable I've ever held that's out on the market. It's It feels so nice. It opens up. It's pure Android. It has the best camera on any foldable out there because they're using Google's Pixel camera, their top-of-the-line camera. It opens up the dimensions of it. When it's closed, it looks like a 5.8-inch normal screen face, not like a skinny candy bar like the Z Fold 4. There's a whole lot to like, and I liked it so much because I've been wanting to get a Pixel phone that I could just really enjoy, like a weekend warrior, because I do like to play in both sandboxes, let's be honest. And I want to be exposed to everything that they have. I love their material design. I just like what Google has been doing. Um, So I pre-ordered a, a Pixel Fold with my own money. Google's not buying this for me or giving it to me for review. I pre-ordered on my own. So I think it's that good. You can see my video that I posted on my channel. And it's uh, I'm genuinely excited for it. And also, it reminds me, like, hey, Apple, are, are you going to do a, a foldable? Because everyone, so many comments will be like, wow, this really looks good. When is Apple going to make one? Well, guess what? There's a certain point in time where I'm not going to wait for Apple. Yes, it is a big chunky $17.99, $1,800. That's a lot. But I literally enjoyed the experience using it, playing with it, and what it has to offer that. This will be the first foldable that I've ever bought in, what, four? So they've been out for about four plus years now. So I'm going to give it a shot as my alternate kind of like weekend warrior phone. Uh, the camera's great. Of course, when it comes to video, nothing is going to top the quality of video that iPhone produces. But with still images, still images, I mean, the Pixel is pretty much the top dog when it comes to still images. So I'm going to roll with that and and see how it is and keep you all posted. Also... The Pixel tablet, a tablet that docks to a charging speaker dock. You know, we've heard all these things about Apple, make a iPad that docks to a HomePod. They haven't done that yet. Google's the first company to do this. It's an 11-inch Pixel tablet. They are improving their tablet apps. That's probably the biggest gap when it comes to why an iPad is just so stellar is the breadth of apps it has. And it always will be that way, quite honestly, until developers really develop for both platforms. But key games that I play, like Marvel Snap, it's on Android. All the streaming apps that I use that are key, it's on Android. My comic book readers, it's on Android. But my Nest Hub that I use, I do have a Nest Home Security System for cameras around my house. That Nest Hub just died like two months ago. So timing is right. It's four ninety nine. It comes with the magnetic speaker dock. This is one of the most genius things that we have seen in a long while from any tech company to elevate and kind of change the use case of tablets in a home. And I think right now, even before it's out, I think as long as it's not buggy, I think the Pixel tablet will be Google's best product of the year from a standpoint of innovation, doing something new, functionality, and price four ninety nine. For an 11-inch tablet with a speaker dock that charges it, pretty sweet. And literally, you you see that thing the whole time, and and everyone in the back of their head is saying, "Apple, why don't you do that? When can you do that?" 
Uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see when it actually happens, but I, I think it's genius. So I talk about these two Pixel products. They also announced their budget Pixel 7a phone. That's fine, $499. But Google committed about, it was about four years ago, to start building their own ecosystem, hardware, software, integrated together. They have their own process of the Tensor G2 chip that is inside their devices. It's packed with all of their AI features as well. And they have now, emulating what Apple has done, they're not going to steal any major market share from Apple anytime soon. But when you look at what they have to offer, the style and the design is very distinct and unique and stylish and feels future forward. You look at what they're doing and it's like, okay, WWDC is coming up. And Google showed how integrated they are with AI. There were so many different examples of how they're using AI to benefit general consumers. And I got to imagine, you think about, we don't think about Apple as an AI company per se, but if WWDC comes around and they're showing us cool features, and we know the power of the ecosystem is amazing, but where is Apple and how are they going to integrate AI into their platform especially when Siri is still severely behind what everyone else is doing. We, we haven't even heard any rumblings of us seeing a new Siri or any type of AR features integrated into the new OSs. And when you see what Google was doing, I can't help but feel like even though we are in Apple's ecosystem that they will feel behind without any mention or any really deep, true showcase of AI in their OSs. I'm just saying that right now because... I look down the road and with what Google is doing, look, no one is toppling the iPhone anytime soon in the US. But in, let's say, four to five years, could I see Google maybe chipping away a little bit at Apple's market share, even if it's something like three to five percent? That's actually a big chunk. I could. I really could. So we'll see what happens. One of the big things that Google was touting was like, hey, you know, Google and Apple are actually working together. They announced this partnership where they're going to be able to both in in partnership with each other, they've created this platform where it, you'll be able to identify tracking tags that are following you, whether they're air tags, whether they're uh, tile tags, whether they're, uh, what is it called? Is it Chipolo tags? There's a few others. They have partnered up to create a system that will enable users to be able to track to detect tags that are tracking them from all those platforms. That's that's awesome. Like seeing these companies work together for safety, amazing. Now, Google at their conference also talked about RCS, which is the which is honestly the modern messaging standard, end-to-end encryption, a lot of other benefits, but it also, you know, one of their songs was like don't was get the message and don't, you know, be able to use phones and have everyone be part of the group chat. And Apple's on the older standard. And the reality is that Apple's not going to change that. Or, you know, sadly, they aren't looking to jump over to RCS to be compatible with all these different platforms because they got the blue bubbles and the blue bubbles have power in the ecosystem. It's kind of wild. So Apple and Google will work towards security for tag tracking But when it comes to the power of the hooks of the ecosystem, Apple isn't looking to jump over to RCS messaging anytime soon. I think it would be great if they did. And I honestly don't think it would hurt them that much. I just don't think at the end of the day, 
people are going to leave Apple in droves just because they adopt the new messaging standard. I think the pure fact of colored text bubbles still whether someone whether someone was on an Android phone and they they tweak something and just be as long as you're using iMessage's blue bubbles. I know Apple's never going to do this, but I don't think it would really really hurt them that much. Because I'm even though I like using other platforms, I'm not going to just jump ship purely because Apple now made iMessage open to other phones. But I get it. I mean, it's a very competitive industry and Apple's going to hold on to that as much as they can. And you know what's another way that they can hold on to us? That they can keep its users that love their products. I've been talking about it for years, literally for years, since the very first iPad Pro came out. Apple officially, this week, this past week, announced Final Cut Pro and Logic Pro for the iPad and they will be subscription models, but they legitimately now have Final Cut Pro and Logic Pro for the iPad. This is amazing. This is incredible. I know there's going to be, there's also caveats. We will get to those, but they showcased it. I got a little preview. Final Cut Pro on the iPad Pro looks incredible as a nonlinear editing app where it's all touch-based. They introduced this new feature, which is like a jog wheel to allow you to scrub through their vi- your video by touching it on the side. It can be moved around. It has all you know the advantages of Final Cut Pro's magnetic timeline, access to sound effects. Um, you can do multi-cam editing. This is one thing that I, I really want to try. I'll do unboxing sometimes, and I have three or four camera angles. I want to do. I want to try and edit my unboxings on Final Cut Pro for iPad, just because it matches the uh, sound the sound waveform and then all you do is basically tap on four different windows and it makes the edit for you as you play it through i know LumaFusion has added that feature recently um you have davinci which has been really popular but the cool thing is integrating uh, final cut pro even doing something basic like chopping your a-roll on an ipad pro and then being able to toss that project to your mac when you get back home and then doing some more of the heavy lifting stuff but this final cut pro Final Cut Pro can do a lot of heavy lifting. I asked them how many streams of video, and they said there's really not any limit. So, you know, it's similar to how many streams of 4K and 8K that you can do on an M1 or an M2. Kind of amazing. Now, Final Cut Pro requires an iPad with an M1 chip or newer. Uh, Logic Pro requires an A12 Bionic iPad or newer. Now, I jumped into this, and someone had told me that the iPad Air with an M1 was not included. And my my thinking is that there's a lot going on in this app and it does feel like it would be a lot more cramped on an iPad Air. I'm just saying, I'm not making up any excuses. But if you're using Final Cut Pro on an iPad Pro, I would definitely recommend, I mean, when you're looking at any types of timelines, you can pinch and zoom into it. It helps when you have more screen real estate when you're video editing, period. But this is super exciting for creators. And here's the thing. The subscription price is going to be $4.99 per month or $49.99 per year. There's going to be a one-month trial that's a part of that. So if you're thinking about this, okay, $50 per year. Well, that does add up year after year after year. I'm hoping and assuming this is just Final Cut Pro for iPad 1.0. There will be more features added. There will be more support for more video filters and access to a sound library and effects. 
but it is a solution. I even asked about, hey, you know, the reason why I was able to learn nonlinear editing uh, using Final Cut Pro back in the day before it was a magnetic timeline Final Cut Pro was because I was a student. I didn't have much money. And I think at the time the student version was like $299, but the full suite was a thousand bucks. And so I asked, is there anything that they're doing for students? And they said, not right now, but they they took my suggestion into consideration. So there is no student version for this, just a flat $499 per month or $49.99 per month. Interesting. I mean, I think the reality is that most of the users are going to be creative, creative professionals, but I don't like the fact that it could be limiting for someone who you know, doesn't want to pay $50 for a year. That is a student, and I know over the time, it's what, $200 for four years if you're going to college and you're starting as a freshman? That I, I don't, that's a lot of money for students, let's be honest. So I wish there was some sort of pricing that was a little more flexible for students to get into because it's all about the next generation. You got young people using apps like CapCut and they're not, they don't, they'll look at Final Cut Pro and be like, huh? But people like me are like, oh, and I've been waiting for this for a long time. So long. We also got Logic Pro coming out and this was fascinating being able to manipulate play with sound loops, use multi-touch gestures, do precision edits. They have um, a lot of different things like a sound browser. You got dynamic filtering. You can preview loops and filter and, and you know, effects and filters real time. There's over 100 instruments and effect plugins. You have these plugin tiles for your most important controls to tweak your sounds. It was really cool. And then there's this like new time and pitch morphing plugin called Beat Breaker that allows creators to swipe and pinch and reshape and shuffle sounds. Uh, as someone who's a video editor, but clearly not a music creator, I think Logic Pro is going to also be special on the road if that's what you're into. And it is also following the same price point, I believe, uh, $4.99 per month or $49.99 per year. Obviously, if you run a business, you can expense that. But you know, I'm, also, I'm, I'm thinking about general consumers. So I'm curious, you know, with the pricing and the compatibility, one uh, M1 chip, iPad, or newer, how do you all think about that? We have some calls about Final Cut Pro and iPad um, on iPad and Logic Pro, so I will play those calls later. But for me, for me, yeah, that's good, Apple. Yeah! I mean, it's, it's about time. Like, I don't know about you, but when I heard it, when they said, like, Final Cut Pro and Logic Pro on the iPad, I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it. Apple what? Like it's crazy. It I never I I got to the point where I did not think we would see the day. And then what also this indicates is we're getting a WWDC June 5th. We're less than a month away from that. Think about this. They announced this before WWDC. This is the type of announcement that I think is ripe for WWDC, which tells me that WWDC is going to be a big freaking deal. I think we're just going to see some really cool stuff. Yes, they're going to focus on the headset and all the things it can do. But may- maybe we'll see something more. But the fact that this was not announced at WWDC indicates how big of a deal. To me, this is not an announcement that is huge for general consumers, but it is huge for a specific hardcore audience that uses Apple products as cre- content creator tools and as creatives, professional creatives. It's crazy. Now, as we talk about WWDC, we talk about the headset, right? This 
Reality Pro headset. Everyone curious, will it be even that good? Will it really be $3,000? Who knows, right? Well, remember, we had talked about in previous episodes how, according to Mark Gurman, the Apple Mixed Reality headset will be using apps from the iPad App Store. And what does that indicate? Well, guess what? Final Cut Pro and Logic Pro are now iPad apps. And that could mean that Apple's AR VR headset could end up running Final Cut Pro and Logic Pro software. Now, it's not necessarily really appealing to me. Like, I don't need this. I don't need to do the whole minority report with Final Cut Pro. I don't need to be in my video like that. But it is the idea is kind of fun and cool. Again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna poo poo it until I actually use it. It sounds cool. In practicality, I don't I don't think I'd use it, but even like editing a video with your hand gestures in the air with Final Cut with an AR VR reality headset, um that's kind of, honestly, I don't know. Just saying it sounds cool. But it's a possibility, it's a real possibility. We also had another official Apple announcement. This week, Apple unveiled their 2023 Pride Band, which will launch later this month. It's, think of it, how do I describe it? It's like these little pellets that are all rainbow colored, like confetti pellets. Almost looks like little, like, quick pencil strokes that are small, like uh, Mike and Ike's, but smaller. Um, You know, sprinkles. They look like candy sprinkles that are on, that you put on ice cream or cupcakes or stuff like that. So, Apple has a new Pride Edition sport band. It'll have a matching watch face. There's also going to be an iPhone wallpaper. The band itself will be priced at $49. It's available to order on Apple.com and right now, and it'll be um, start shipping out on May 24th. So you can check out what it looks like. But there's also another cool nugget from that. In that announcement, Apple did confirm that they will be releasing iOS 16.5 and watchOS 9.5 to the public next week. Uh, the software updates, they've been beta testing them since late March. So they will include the new Pride Celebration watch face and Pride Celebration iPhone wallpaper, which does require 9.5, or sorry, watchOS 9.5 and iOS 16.5. Now, in addition to that, there is just one small but kind of useful change to iOS 16.5. There's going to be a new sports tab in the Apple News app I know it's a minor one, but this is just most likely the last update we'll see before iOS 17 at WWDC. There's a lot happening. I mean, I don't know about y'all. I'm getting pretty excited. Uh, it, It does fix some bug issues where there's a spotlight may become unresponsive, and it addresses an issue where podcasts in CarPlay may not load content. But the big stuff is support for the Pride Celebration wallpaper for the lock screen and the iPhone screen. And then the sports tab will be now added into the Apple News app to jump right into sports stuff. And I'm a sports guy and I use Apple News. I Honestly, I'm so busy right before I go to sleep. I scrub through Apple News for about 10 or 15 minutes and I at least get up to date with some what's what's been happening. And I really enjoy it because I don't even watch TV for news anymore. I just don't have time. So, it's good. All right. Hey, let's take a breather for our sponsors. And whether you work for yourself or you're part of a team, your brand has a lot to say. An issue helps you tell the world 
Put new life into static content by transforming brochures, newsletters and catalogs, magazines and more from flat PDFs into interactive digital publications and social posts for your audiences worldwide. Give them content that's fun to read across every channel and on every device. Issue is the all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital content from marketing materials and magazines to catalogs and portfolios and so much more. Now, Issue also works seamlessly with the tools that you already use and love like Canva, Dropbox, MailChimp, and InDesign. From solopreneurs like myself and designers to enterprise teams, anyone who wants to create and share engaging content that stands out in a matter of minutes, you're going to want to use this. And you can start using Issue for free, try it out, and explore premium features that offer a more customized experience. Now, as a content creator, being able to just drag and drop a PDF and then I was able to distribute it on other platforms. It just makes it easy to use and streamlining anything. That means everything for creators. So get started with Issue today for free or sign up for an annual premium account and get 50% off when you go to issue.com slash podcast and use promo code AppleBits. That's I-S-S-U-U dot com slash podcast and use promo code AppleBits at checkout for your free starter account or 50% off an annual premium account. That's issue.com slash podcast with promo code AppleBits. And thanks also to SaneBox for also sponsoring the podcast. SaneBox is an email management software that lets you work smarter in your inbox, save time, and focus on things more important than email. SaneBox is all about saving you time and helping you stress less on email. Using its proprietary AI, SaneBox organizes your incoming emails into appropriate folders. So when you open your inbox, you'll only see the important emails without lifting a finger. It's like a smart assistant with years of experience who knows what's important to you. Now, on average, this saves an average user between two to four hours each week by seamlessly organizing and filtering emails. SaneBox works with any email client, and it also means that you don't have to change email clients to take advantage of all of SaneBox's benefits. Now, as a trial user, SaneBox even offers a free one-to-one SaneBox concierge service where you can sit down with one of their email experts to review process steps for managing your email and setting up SaneBox to match your workflow. Now, I found that it just helps sort the emails that matter to me and those that I don't. And, you know, I still check them. I can move some messages when I need to, so it learns from that. And it's just an easy label in my Gmail that I peek at every day. So start your free trial and get a $25 credit. Visit SaneBox.com slash AppleBits today. That's S-A-N-E box.com slash Apple bits. All right. We have some other Apple device news. According to Mark Gurman, who uh, puts up a new discord channel for some of his power on newsletter subscribers, the upcoming Apple watch series nine will finally include a new processor based on the a 15 chip that was first used back in the iPhone 13 models. Now, if you aren't familiar, the Apple watch series eight, like the Series 7 before it, basically used a chip essentially identical to the S6 chip that was used with the Apple Watch Series 6. The reality is that they really didn't need to upgrade it all that time. We've seen how the Apple Watch pretty much functions functions really well. So they they would change it because there would be different aspects of the actual watches, but it, the speed and processing didn't change. So... Apple wa- wa- Apple calls the Apple Watch Series 8 the S8 chip, um, but it's still a two-year-old chip. There's no speed improvements. So this new Series 9 chip will be a quote-unquote new processor rather than rebranding a previous-gen chip. And when German was asked if it would be based on at least the A15 chip, then he said, yes, that should be the case. So 
a new chip in the Apple Watch Series 9, will that make it more efficient? Will that bring it better battery life? Maybe slightly, but the real change is going to happen when we get a 3 nanometer chip in an Apple Watch that's more powerful and offers more power efficiency. That's where I think you're going to see at least a more significant jump in the lineup and the series. But we know that really the biggest thing at WWDC is expected to be watchOS 10 with this focus on a new widget system for interacting with it. And so I'm excited to see that. Uh, I love what the Apple Watch is and has done. And there's some people that would like to see some other changes, but overall, the Apple Watch still the best-selling smartwatch on planet Earth and will continue that way even if it's just for the iPhone. All right, I know y'all love iPhone news. You want to hear some iPhone 16 rumors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't? You do? Okay, fine. Um, so display analyst Ross Young, who is really plugged in the supply chain, recently put out a report that says the iPhone 16 Pro and iPhone 16 Pro Max, those would be the phones launching in 2024, not this year, but the 16 Pro and 16 Pro Max will feature roughly a 6.3-inch and 6.9-inch display sizes, which is larger than the current 14 Pro and 14 Pro Max that are equipped with a 6.1-inch and 6.7-inch display. So Ross Young told Mac Rumors that the sizes themselves, the 6.3 and 6.9-inch displays, are rounded up. He's going to announce the official uh, screen sizes as close to two decimal places uh, during his speech at the Display Week conference in Los Angeles that happens at May 23rd. I'm not going to be there, but there is no report if the standard iPhone 16 and 16 Plus will also have larger displays or if they will stay with the current 6.1 and 6.7 inch displays. But ultimately, Ross Young, who's been on the money and his information has been very accurate, he's definitely plugged in with the right sources. 6.3 and 6.9, Apple's going large. Apple's getting bigger in 2024 with the iPhone 16 Pro and Pro Max. So we'll wait and see on that. Apple's also working on new Beats Studio Pro headphones. We talked about it last week, potentially us seeing new Beats Studio Buds Plus that were leaked on Amazon. And if I believe the timeline right, they should, by the time you listen to this, depending on where you are on the week, they might, those Beats Studio Buds Plus that had that kind of clear version, the see-through version, might have dropped already on Amazon and officially been announced or rolled out by this coming week that you're listening to this. So we'll find out. But according to code found in the macOS Ventura 13.4 release candidate, Apple's working on new Beat Studio Pro headphones. You know, the headphones appear to have a A2924 model number, which is different from the numbers for the upcoming Beat Studio Buds Plus that I talked about. It's a number that has also not been identified before. And so, yes, they're always working on new models, but the recent macOS Ventura 13.4 release candidate revealed that they are somewhere looming in there if you're a Beat Studio Pro headphone fan. And I still think it's really interesting how the Beats brand is so strong. I don't know too many people now that have that are consistently Beats dedicated, but clearly they haven't dissolved the brand and it has a lot of staying power. I maybe it's just me. It's not like I'm just oh, I'm just AirPods Pro Max and nothing else. I'm not, but 
You know, I love Sony XM's headphones. Um, obviously, Bang & Olsen has some of the best ones, but those are really expensive. This is a cool development in the Mac space. Epic's Unreal Engine gets a major update with native Apple Silicon Mac support. So Epic Games, you know them. You know that name, right? You're like, wait, what? How is Epic doing anything on the Mac? Well, Epic is known for Fortnite, the ridiculously popular game that my nephew's still playing and asked me to play. But the company also has another product beyond just the games. It is the Unreal Engine. This is a popular 3D creation tool that's really used to produce a lot of games, but also apps, and then even some of those virtual sets for Hollywood movies and shows. The Unreal Engine is behind so much of that. So the company, this recent Thursday, announced that the Unreal Engine 5.2, that software, will come with native support for Apple Silicon Macs and leverage the power and the stability of Silicon Macs. So they have a detailed blog post and talks about all these improvements that I personally don't understand. And here's the thing. You had that dispute between Epic and Apple over Fortnite, but the Unreal Engine, which is a creation tool, is a totally separate thing. So it doesn't, you know, there's no beef in that aspect. And also it's smart for Epic to do this, quite honestly. And this Unreal Engine also is used internally by Apple to help build its AR apps that lets inter- uh, visitors even play around with the Apple Park Visitor Center. They're, they they have this experience where you hold up, I think, like phone or iPads over a model, and then you can kind of see it in augmented reality. So remember, Apple did try to suspend Epic Games' developer account in 2020 because they had that legal dispute about trying to bypass the uh, iTunes store, and they were trying to avoid paying the 30% fee by being plugged into as an app store for all you know sales that were going through it. And that then they went to court, and there's a lot of bunch of beef between them. But when it comes to actual other stuff like a 3D you know, engine or a 3D creation tool, they're going to put it on there. So I think this is a good move. This is smart from Unreal. And still, I still wish that whole stupid Fortnite beef was squashed. They need to put Fortnite on a Mac. Just make it just, they need to get over themselves and just do it. Just do the damn thing. All right. Apple launches a one-month free trial offer for Major League Soccer season pass. You know what I think was cool about this? Whether you're a football fan or not, I almost said soccer, but you know, I know that offends people sometimes. But whether you're an MLS fan or not, I think what's cool to do is check this out. It's a free one-month trial. You can go... I believe you could go through the Apple TV app to do it or um, through the website. You could just launch it and it'll give you the option to sign up. This trial is a free month. It will automatically renew, so you can always cancel if you want to. But see how Apple is doing sports on their Apple TV Plus platform. They do it very clean. I just like how they present it, whether it's Major League Baseball and the MLS Season Pass. Plus, my favorite soccer team, I'm not going to say I'm hardcore, but... I have gone a few games, and I do follow them somewhat. LAFC, it was the first. When I moved to LA, that was their inaugural year. The 52-32, which is this huge, wild, crazy-ass section, is amazing. And so, um, yeah. And I actually have LAFC gear, believe it or not. Doesn't mean I'm a super fan, but, you know, it looks cool. (laughs) So, check it out. MLS Season Pass, you get a free month right now from Apple. Pretty cool. All right. Hey, you know, I talked about our voicemails. And so let's jump over that. I love, I'm so grateful that 
you I think the last episode maybe sparked some of y'all to call in and I'm all about that. So remember if you want to be a part of the show, record a voice memo, send it in to applebitsshow at gmail.com. So we're gonna start off with my man Aaron. Let's go. Hey, Brian, this is Aaron Hope from Durham, North Carolina. Uh, Just checking in on this uh, Logic Pro and Final Cut Pro uh, for iPad news. This is major. It's incredible. Um, I'm so hyped for this. Could you consider bringing on some content creators, people who do, uh, you know, music production or audio mixing um, or even, you know, uh, for uh, video production? Uh, Once the software is out there in the wild and people have had a chance to get their hands on it, um, it will be amazing to see see how people are using this. I mean, I can imagine myself, uh, you know, instead of going, you know, kicking out a mix and then going to my car to check to see if it sounds decent and then realizing it doesn't and then having to go all the way back to my office or the studio or bedroom or wherever and rejigger it and then do that all over again. I can just take the iPad in the car and mix it so that it sounds good in the car. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, anyway, man, just wanted to throw this comment out there and uh, yeah, hope all is good, man. Keep doing your thing. Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate it so much. Uh, yeah, this is this is incredible for creators at any level, anywhere, any place, anytime. Uh, I, I'm really curious to see how people are using it. And this really also will cater more than anything to the current generation of creators, but the next generation of creators. And that's that's really important to have that pipeline and flow. So I am all in. I've been asking for it for, I think, five plus years. And it finally happened. They must listen to my constant bitching about it, <laughs> but I think it's valid. And now I, it's one thing I can, I will no longer say. It's like now I could say you guys finally put your own pro apps on your devices, and then the the workflow to be able to take those projects and seamlessly then open them and use them on your Mac. See how excited I got? My voice cracked. That is incredible. That is incredible. I love this move, and it's. I'm really going to give it a go and see what how I can legitimately use it as a tool on the go. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is importing and managing the video files because when I do like my weekly wrap-up, I'm always pulling up content, photos, videos from different sites to like use as B-roll. And I do credit them, but I, th- that's going to be harder for me on an iPad to integrate that stuff. So that's maybe where I would only use it for certain types of videos, potentially like reviews, vlogs or unboxings where it's a multi-cam setup i could see me using it for that on the go um and also the touching the touch of it makes it really fun like there's it's so hard i talk it all say it all the time about how the ipad is the most intimate tech product but when you start touching and interacting with your content it's something different about how it bonds to your brain that makes you feel more connected to it. And I think the same thing is going to happen for Logic Pro and uh, Final Cut Pro on the iPad. All right, let's go to Matt. Hey, Brian, it's Matt from Wilmington. I just heard the news that uh, Logic and Final Cut Pro were finally making it to the iPad, and it made me think of you. Uh, I uh, just wanted to make a message and send it to you. So uh, I think I'm finally ready to uh, pull the trigger with an iPad Pro. I've been on the fence about whether or not it, you know, I I know the 15-inch MacBook Air is supposedly on the way out uh, soon, and, you know, is an an iPad going to be a suitable, you know, laptop 
uh, MacBook replacement. So uh, hearing this news, I do a little bit of music creation. So hearing this news that Logic is available is is, is a positive. And while I'm not a uh, filmmaker or content creator in that regard, uh, having access would sure be fun. So I uh, just want to hear your thoughts. I think I know how it's going to go. So I uh, hope you're as excited as I am. Hope all's well. Take care. Oh, oh, you know how you know what I think, right? Yeah, that's a good apple. Yeah. Should I do it again? Yeah. Let's do it one more time. Yeah. I'm hyped about this. I love this. And also, here here's the other thing. Again, I I, I don't like it when people discredit like their level of content creation because when I started, you know, just learning Final Cut Pro, obviously I was very rudimentary, but as you like anything as skill, as you do it more, as you do it over and over and over, repetition, right? They have this whole saying about becoming a master of your craft by putting in 10,000 10, hours plus into it. That's when you can really, you really start mastering something. That's just the beginning. That's the seed. So there's going to be a lot of people, young people, old people, anywhere in between that are going to use this for the first time and might actually make video editing easier for them. And there's plenty of people that there's plenty of things that I still just that I do in a very old rudimentary way on Premiere Pro. And I'm sure that uh, Final Cut Pro will be able to fix that. One thing that I was told is one of the advantages of using Final Cut Pro on the Mac is that it does real time rendering in the background. So when you export it, it exports like super fast, you know, in a minute or two. That aspect is not available on the iPads because the OS, when you close an app, it kind of puts it in a pause state. So let's say you have a big project and you want to watch a movie or something and the Final Cut Pro app goes into the background, it will not be rendering your project at the same time. Only it'll be doing that while you're actively using the app. And that's uh, because of just how the OS is built in Final Cut Pro. So just something to mention that just popped in my head as we were talking about that. So either way, Really, really, really exciting. It's really awesome. Okay, next up. Oh, man, Salty Jordan coming back at me again. Salty, what's up? What's up, Brian? Jordan from Columbus calling in, and I just got to say, you're wrong, Tong. What? Not really, but you always hype up the M2 MacBook Air, and I just don't see the value for the money. I have a M1 MacBook Air, and these things start. They start at like 800 that's an insane value as opposed to paying another like four or five hundred dollars for what a notch and a pretty pretty design which those are cool but man is that really worth the money the performance of the m1 is still insane i do all kinds of 3d modeling and video editing and it works great (laughs) And I mean, if we're being honest, most people are going to use it to access what? Instagram and email? I think they'll be fine with the M1. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Thanks. Okay, not not as salty as I thought, but still great points. Look, uh, I've never been one to poo-poo the M1. The only reason why I really hype up the M2 chip is because it has the new media engine in it. And what that's beneficial for, specifically for video is it has the ProRes engine. It crushes through 4K and 8K video. There is some long tail longevity to that, at at least if you're buying a computer now. But to your point, M1 is still spectacular. In fact, just to give you kind of some insight, give you all some insight. 
I was talking to some friends that work in a specific department in Apple, and Apple, from a repairs service department side, their revenue is lower. And the reason why is because these M1 and M2 chip machines are so good, right? We talk about how good they are from the consumer from a performance, heat, sound standpoint. From a service standpoint, they're just not breaking down. So Apple's never been in the business to make money off of repairs. It is an aspect of obviously when there's a repair that it costs money, whether you use Apple Care or not. They make a revenue from that. But because these machines and this chip is so good, they're not getting nearly the same amount of repairs. And therefore, the revenue targets for those d- divisions are lower. All that to say is that the M1 chip is phenomenal. The M1 Max, the M1 Pro, the M2 is. But I always push people if they're buying a new computer today and if they can afford it just to get the M2 purely because of that media engine if they're the type of user that needs that. Otherwise, you're right. An M1 for my mama is going to last her for, geez, five, 10 years. Easy, easy. So, Salty, I'm with you. You aren't too salty, but maybe I have a bad take that will make you even saltier. But thanks for calling in, Jordan. Okay, last call today, Isif. Hey, Brian Tong. Thanks for the podcast. I really love it. You keep it real and you keep it fun. I've got a question, and it has to do with the Apple Watch. Uh, Do you think that Apple's ever going to prioritize a more thin and uh, maybe a little bit more classy-looking Apple Watch? Um, I kind of wonder if maybe I'm the only one that wants this, but... I really don't care about all the health and the fitness features as much. Um, the, the whole reason I got the Apple Watch in the first place was literally just the watch face, like the, the clock, the weather, the date, that type of thing, and then notifications. It's really nice to be able to look at my text without having to pull my phone out of my pocket. I'm an electrician, so when I'm working on a panel and I can just look up at my wrist to see if somebody's talking to me, it's really nice. Um, it's great for work. So... If Apple made an Apple Watch that stripped away a lot of the health sensors um, and just kind of simplified that area of it and slimmed down the body of it, because honestly, I think it's still pretty big, pretty thick. I personally, I know they get hate for this, but I loved the Apple thin era when they tried to make everything thinner. And I think the Apple Watch could use just a bit of that. I really don't love the Apple Watch Ultra. I don't know why they went that direction. I know some people do. It's great for some people. But I'm somebody who wants my tech to be uh, thin and light, easy to easy to wear. So if they made something that maybe had a little bit better battery, a little bit thinner, um, and to do that, they'd have to get rid of a lot of those health sensors, which I really don't care about personally. Um, do you think that Apple's ever going to do that? Do you? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? All right, Isif, thanks for calling in. Um, you are not alone. Let me just let you know that. I think that there are, look, I know, I can tell you are from the generation that loved the uh, I've Design era. For better, for worse, overall, it was incredible. It was incredible. You don't get these iconic designs without Johnny Ive and Steve Jobs at the helm. But here's how I see it. You want an Apple Watch Air. So they can make it thinner. But the biggest issue with the Apple Watch is its battery life. And so the only reason why I don't think they'll do that is until they have a chip that is so efficient and a screen, right? We've heard reports that the Apple Watch will be the first to use the micro OLED screens, which are the most power efficient. 
let's say they combine that with the three nanometer processor processor that is the most power efficient as well, which gives the best performance. Even at that, I think the current form factor would want more battery life because it's so small than less. So I think that the current form factor is here to stay just purely because in the long run, if they can get us, it sounds weak because there's a lot of other watches that do more, but they also don't do as much from a feature standpoint as the Apple Watch does. If we could get even like over two days on a standard Apple Watch, that would be amazing. If the Apple Watch Ultra could get over four days, that would be amazing. And maybe, maybe they'll make you a super slim Apple Watch Air with less than one day of battery life. And it's funny because I actually have heard a lot of people say, we plug in our phones every day. I don't care about plugging in my Apple Watch. And I think you're probably part of that group too. I'm not trying to determine who you are here, but I'm sure, and, and that that's fair too. Some people are like, hey, I want the thinnest. I want the slimmest. I want the sleekest. And I don't care if I plug it in every day. And so that might happen. But for now, Apple's probably, just from a pure cost standpoint, like think about this. The investment in tooling that they would have to do just to make a smaller Apple Watch right now. Right now, it's easy peasy for them. All the, all the you know manufacturing is basically done. They just change out the guts. So it's cost related too. And you know who cares about cost in the supply chain? Mr. Apple Tim Cook. Or Tim Apple does. So don't lose hope. But I just, from a design philosophy standpoint of what we've seen, how Apple is now looking at bringing more functionality, like prioritizing functionality. I feel like the engineering teams uh, or product teams are being prioritized more than design teams. It's like, look at what happened with the Mac Mac Studio. They finally gave us ports on the front. Look at what happened with the MacBook Pros. They finally gave us all the ports that a creator like me wants and made one of the thickest MacBook Pros ever, but also, and one of the heaviest, but also one of the best damn MacBook Pros. And I actually prefer that as a user. So I think that Apple has evolved where usability and functionality is taking a little priority over design. Not that their design is crap, but that this idea of the the thin thinness, super sleek, may not be there. But I think as we've seen, time, there's trends always change and we always go back, you know, to styles and designs from the past. They even really did that with the IMAX where they went back to the past and pulled from those. And so what I'm trying to say is don't give up hope. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but maybe one day in your lifetime, the Apple Watch Air for ISEF will exist. It might. I'll never say never. You never know. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for calling in. That is amazing. I love that. That is going to do it for this week's episode. Hey, we also got to give a big thanks to our Platinum Apples at the $100 level Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, Michael Gigliotti, Atari Koenigsegg, Glenn Canellis. Thank you so much for supporting me. Thank you to all of you who continue to support my content at patreon.com slash Tong. I know I sound a little stuffy. I know my voice sounds a little weak. I will be better, hopefully, in a week. But that's going to do it for this week, everybody. Same bad time, same bad channel. We'll talk to you soon. Take care and have a great week. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace.